Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Targa. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is one Craig Patrick by way of Washington, D.C. Patrick records music under the name Giants of Diving. His first release, the 2016 Giants of Diving EP, drew considerable blogospheric praise for, quote, classic songwriting skill that brings to mind the likes of Brendan Benson or Dawes. December 2019 saw the release of the first full-length Giants of Diving album, Leave Room for Magic, featuring nine original tracks and one Blondie cover. Craig released his first original single since Leave Room for Magic in late 2020. Something of a departure from the layered full band sound of his previous work, Lucky Like Me is a musically atmospheric, lyrically introspective three-minute lesson in the power of letting go. Influenced by the melodic poetry of R.E.M. and Crowded House, the social awareness of Bruce Springsteen and Steve Earle, and the big guitar punch of The Cars and Cheap Trick, Giants of Diving is guitar-driven, synth-tinged, multi-hyphenated, indie pop rock with all vocals and instrumentation recorded by Craig Patrick using a microphone, three guitars, a synthesizer, a laptop computer, a tangle of wires, and some very powerful audio recording software he barely understands. Craig Patrick is also a poet with writing published in Fourth Magazine, Door is a Jar, and Algebra of Owls, among other places. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing Patty Griffin, Old Town Maine's Patty Griffin. And we're going to be discussing her debut record titled Living with Ghosts, which was released back on May 21st of 1996. So without further ado, Craig, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for joining us here on Cover to Cover. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Matt. And uh, excellent opening reading. I like the forceful emphasis of blogospheric. Uh, and uh, somebody somebody was an English major, clearly, whoever wrote that, that, uh, that bio. I'm not going to comment further, but somebody likes words. Anyway, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. My Hey, it's my, my pleasure. What inspired you to choose this particular record from Patty Griffin? Yeah, I thought a lot about it. You know, it was exciting to, to have a chance uh, to think about, uh, you know, what, what are the records that really influenced me, really made a difference in my life. And, uh, you know, I made a list of roughly... I don't know, 15, 15 to 20 records. Uh, and, you know, I think I, I settled on this one uh, largely because not only did it influence me heavily right out of the box and make a, make a strong impact on me, uh, but I, I think it's more relevant for me even now at the age that I am uh, these days. Uh, and, and also in wake of uh, what we've been going through with COVID, you know, with the isolation that we've been all been dealing with, uh, this record definitely speaks heavily uh, to those issues. Talking with Craig Patrick here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We're getting started speaking about Patty Griffin's Living with Ghosts. Um, Craig, can you tell us who the players are on this particular record from Patty? Or is it yeah. just her? Yeah. It's, it really is mostly her, you know, and there's an interesting story behind that. Uh, 
because uh, originally uh, it was uh, a fully produced, you know, a full band kind of record, he- heavily produced. Uh, I found out uh, the original version was produced by Nile Rodgers. Uh, and uh, if you don't know who he is, he was uh, he was in the band Chic. It was a sort of a 70s uh, disco funk outfit, heavily sampled uh, by a lot of rappers. Uh, there's a lot of artists in general, heavily covered. And he uh, has had a long career producing records, writing songs. He, uh, he, he wrote with uh, Madonna and he produced David Bowie's Let's, Let's Dance album. Uh, you know, a, a really storied kind of producer uh, in terms of making pop records. Anyway, he made this big record and they brought it to the record company. And uh, evidently it was A&M and uh, the executives hated it. They, they just, they didn't feel like they could do anything with it. Um, and they re-listened, I guess they re-listened to the original demos, which were really spare uh, acoustic, uh, you know, uh, recordings. And uh, they felt that those were better, you know, that that's what they wanted to go with. Uh, and uh, that, that's, that's the record that we pretty much have now. So, Long story short, hardly anyone else plays on it. There's a couple of, I think, overdubs of acoustic guitar on one or two songs. And other than that, it's just Patty Griffin singing and strumming and banging away. My understanding of uh, Patty and some of the origins of her career is that she's from Maine. And then she decided to kind of, you know, (laughs) emigrate, if you will, down to Boston and, you know, be kind of part of the coffee house scene that was going on there is that where you know some of the A&R folks at uh, A&M kind of figured out who she was and you know what what she was up to yeah that's pretty much my understanding just from looking at wikipedia and things like that that she uh like you say she was playing coffee houses playing open mics things like that and uh yeah she was just discovered that way so it sort of makes sense uh it makes total sense to me that they ended up going with the demo recording because it sounded like the way they experienced her in the coffee houses originally. Uh, so can you describe for our listeners exactly where you, uh, I, I guess we could say first heard this album from Patty Griffin or when did you, how did you learn about Patty Griffin's music in general? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything about Patty Griffin. Um, I, I just happened to be, uh, watching a movie uh you know late 90s was a great time for independent film uh i was watching movies all the time and it was a movie called niagara niagara i was with uh henry thomas he was the little kid in et um and uh an actress named robin tunney it's this it's a really pretty pretty good film actually uh to check out if you want to go back and look at it it's about a girl with Tourette syndrome, Robin Tunney, and she meets uh, the Henry Thomas character and, uh, you know, they sort of fall for each other. They embark on this kind of road adventure. Uh, and anyway, it ends up in tragedy. Uh, I won't go into detail for those who are going to check it out. But in the culminating tragic scene of the film, which was moving in itself, Underneath everything comes in this song, and it starts out with some quiet, sort of plucking on the acoustic guitar, very echoey, very moody, 
and then some just whispered vocals. Um, and at that moment, everything became about the song for me. You know, it was like I say, as great as the scene was in the film, the, uh, the song was enhancing it to a distracting degree. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was focused on it and I had to find out who it was. Anyway, it was the last track on this record. It's called Not Alone. Um, and, uh, from there, you know, I had to find out who it was. I did that deal where, uh, I was probably watching this on videotape dating, dating myself heavily. Uh, but I did that deal where I had to pause during the credits and fast forward and rewind and try to find that moment where it, it told me who was singing that song. Cause I didn't recognize the voice at all, you know? And, and so often on those videotapes, many of the credits could be a little blurry. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. With just the tracking, get a magnifying glass out yeah. uh, in front of your console. <laughs> exactly. Right. My giant television console with a wooden case around it. But uh, anyway, this will make no sense to anyone born after whatever, you know, whatever year, 2000. <laughs> yeah. 2000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was the scene. And uh, so from there, yeah, I went and I happened to work at a record store at the time which meant I got pretty much everything for free. And again, continuing to paint a picture of the times, everything was on CD in those days, no streaming. So anyway, I had access to, you know, free records. Um, and I quickly got my hands on that one. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Friends, we're talking with Craig Patrick here of Giants of Diving, also known as Giants of Diving, here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkas, specifically about Patty Griffin's 1996 record, Living with Ghosts. Um, what's next, Craig? I mean, typically I you know, ask if this is a continuum of you know, what that artist was building towards you know, in relation to a record, but this is her debut offering. She signed to A&M, uh, the decision was made to kind of strip away, you know, some of the larger arrangements and just bring Patty and her guitar back into the recording studio. Um, it, it feels yeah, like absolutely. a good, it, it feels like a good, you know, time to talk about some of your favorite tracks. Um, how would you like to begin? Would you like to pick a handful? Would you like to literally go track by track? Um, how well, should we you know, proceed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Um, well, I can I can tell you uh, that thematically, what this record is about is it's about life being hard. Um, it's it, you know it can come off initially like sort of a a bummer of a record, uh, but you have to. I think it, it helps to keep in mind the time that it was that it was put out. Um, you know, this was sort of you know grunge was fast dying. Uh, you know you know, it was, we're coming off a time of a lot of really rage fueled music. Um, Kurt Cobain had died a couple of years ago when this came out. And, uh, you know, this was an angry record, but it was a, a record that speaks of uh, coming through anger, coming through the other side of anger. It's a, it's a record that's very much about life being hard, but the only way through it, uh, the only way out of uh, the difficulty is through it. So when I talk about my favorite tracks, it's those that speak to that, to that message. Uh, there's one called mad mission. It, it's the lyrics go, uh, 
you know, li- it's about life being a mad m- mission. It's a difficult, it's a difficult situation. It's, it's hard, it's hard to get through. Uh, but, uh, it, the line ends with, uh, I, it's a mad mission, but I got the ambition. It's a mad, mad mission. Sign me up. You know, that's how it ends. So it, it starts off really angry and really down. Uh, but it closes with, you know, you know, it's what's the alternative, you know? So that's a, that's a track that I really love. And when it comes down to really, when you have an album that's this spare and this stark I- instrumentally sort of stripped down. Uh, the focus becomes the lyrics and lyrics like that really jump out at you. So that's a track I love. Let's expound upon Mad Mission just a little bit. There's a beautifully Mm -hmm. subtle reference to Casablanca in there where she sings, here's looking at you kid. It's a mad mission. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh yeah. You know, I I don't even know that I made the connection to Casablanca, but uh, yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah. That's right in there. Yeah. I, I wonder if she's also singing about her, her own personal ambitions in the music industry and what a jungle that can be in, in terms of, you know, the desire to break through in some instances. Yeah. Could very well be. I also know that this is a very personal record and uh, you know, I, I, having read a little bit about it, uh, she's uh, she had gone through a divorce. She was uh, around 31, 32 when this came out and she, she wrote most of the songs a few years before that. Uh, so she was definitely someone who was coming through some pretty intense, a uh, pretty intense period of personal struggle. Uh, so in terms of the theme being, you know, uh, needing to, to be able to walk through the fire and, and come out on the other end stronger, uh, that makes a lot of sense in terms of what she was going through personally. But yeah, the music business as well. She was discovered late being, you know, in her early 30s. It took her a long time of banging away in those clubs before she got anyone to notice her. So that can be a rough road too. Chatting with Craig Patrick here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about all things Patty Griffin and her debut record, Living with Ghosts. What's next after Mad Mission, Craig? Yeah, I I like, uh, there's a song called Forgiveness, uh, which again speaks to, I think, what she was going through personally at the time. Uh, And it speaks to to me, frankly. Uh, You know, the, the lyrics go, it's hard to give, it's hard to get, it's hard to live. Still, I think it's the best bet, you know? Again, it's similar to Mad Mission, you know? The life, life is hard. It's worth it in the end. This was something that, that resonated really particularly with me because, again, talking about grunge, talking about Kurt Cobain, uh, I was very, very heavily into to Nirvana. Uh, I was very heavily into angry, loud, aggressive guitar music like a lot of people. Um, Every word earns a spot in the song. Like nothing is a throwaway. Just somehow with every just phrasing, she advances her own storylines in, mm-hmm. in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I, you know, with, with the, uh, with the Nirvana and the, and the grunge reference and all the, all the anger, I think something that I was looking for was a, a little bit more of a, a little less of that and a little bit more of a message of that redemption is, is, a, is an option as well in life. You know, you, you can choose to get bogged down in, in the difficulty of it and let it consume you. Difficult difficulty of life, that is. Uh, or, or you can rise above uh, and you can look for the beauty in things. And uh, that's definitely what that song's about.
There's another great lyric in here. I heard somebody say, today's the day. A big old hurricane is blowing our way, knocking over buildings, killing all the light. Open your eyes, boy, we made it through the night. And it continues. I wonder if that's a song that she's singing about a roommate that she refers to in a couple of other songs. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. She could be speaking to a friend. She, there are several songs where she seems to be speaking to a friend someone she's close to the ver- the the initial track Moses uh is very much like that but then you find out the more you listen turns out she's probably talking to herself so it's really difficult to tell you know uh very often i think that that friend is her uh or or it's us yeah or it's it's all all of the above it's interesting you mentioned Moses because um when i was listening to this record again i I kind of saw it as a companion to the record that came out a couple of years after that on uh, Flaming Red. There's a song called Tony uh-huh. um, that that documents, um, sadly, a suicide of a close friend of hers. I'm wondering if that this particular song, Moses, is a forerunner in some ways to Tony. Yeah, could very well be. I don't know. She does, she does speak to uh, and on behalf of characters at times. Uh, and, and these could be people that she knows personally, uh, or, or it just inventions. Um, and you know, she, so she is a storyteller, you know, uh, she's not just straight confessionally talking about herself all the time. There are tracks like sweet Lorraine, the, the second to last song where she's clearly speaking about a character again, though, I mean, I've heard this record so many times. I, I wonder with her, is she sweet Lorraine, you know, cause there's a, there's a, a a lyric about being a fiery-haired, brown-eyed dreamer or something like that. And and that pretty well describes the way Patty Griffin looks, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard. These lines get blurry. Uh, it's really fascinating to think about what she might be talking about. But the messages that she's, she's putting out there uh, in the end are definitely universal. It was heartbreaking to to revisit that lyric. Um, it's definitely rated R. Her daddy called her a slut and a whore on the night before her wedding day. The very next morning at the church, her daddy gave Lorraine away. Lorraine, sweet Lorraine. Um, yeah. it, it, incredibly heavy. Yep. It sounds autobiographical for somebody. And uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned that she had, you know, gone through a divorce. And if this is, if this is the feeling that she was experiencing at the time, uh, it, it literally leaves you gobsmacked when you visit this track. Yeah, it absolutely does. And uh, again, that goes back to the theme of the record, you know, uh, that, that you can be in a place that dark uh, and, and you can live to tell about it, you know, and that's the sense that I that's that I get from this record uh, on many of the tracks is that she's uh, she's telling us stories of having moved through the pain, you know, and emerged on the other side. And that's a really sort of a fortifying, inspiring message for me. And when I think about what kind of songwriter I want to be, uh, that's something that I that I aspire to to be able to speak to people that way. It's very powerful. Yeah. We are talking with Craig Patrick of, and is giants of diving here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all things, Patty Griffin, all things living with ghosts. Um, Craig, what other songs would you like to discuss? 
Yeah, you know, the, 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 the last track, Not Alone, again, if you get a chance to check out that movie, uh, you know, do Niagara, Niagara, and, and just just get a sense. I hope, I hope that last scene moves you in a similar way. I hope I haven't, I haven't given too much away. Uh, I, I guess I've given the surprise away a little bit, but, but I'd be interested in, in finding out people's reaction to that scene uh, in the film with, with that song carrying the, the moment. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a beautiful song. Uh, it, it's very much stands apart from the record in terms, you know, tonally, uh, in terms of the way it sounds, uh, lyrically though, it, it fits right in with the rest. I mean, the lyrics being, you are not alone, put out the fire in your head and lay with me tonight. You know, people, it's a message of that, that people need, people need people, especially when they're in their darkest times. So in that sense, it's, it's lyrically, it lines up pretty well with the rest of the album. Um, but like I said, and sonically though, it's I've I've figured out how to play it, and it's uh, everything is pretty much in standard tuning on the record, except for that one. It's a really detuned. I don't remember what the tuning pattern is, but it's uh, it definitely creates a very particular dark kind of quiet close mood and the vocals are, are she's she's very close to the microphone uh the whole thing the, the way it's recorded uh just creates an incredibly intimate mood that's unlike anything else on the record really really draws you in i love the way that you discovered patty griffin and discovered this song first i mean what yeah. an orga- what an organic way to do that through you know, a really pivotal scene in a movie. Um, yeah. So much of the way, you know, many of us, some, you know, can wind up, you know, discovering music is to go down a YouTube rabbit hole or, you know, by some other means, you know, something getting tacked onto a playlist or something like that. Like the way that you connect with this artist and this particular body of work is, I just, I, I just think it's still like, the most wonderful way you can kind of do that by happenstance. Yeah. You know, and it probably has a lot to do with why I picked this record to talk about, you know, why it sticks with me so much because I, I, I did uh, find it the way that I did, you know, it, it's definitely something I miss and not to sound too old. We've already talked about, uh, you know, my age and whatnot. Uh, you know, we don't need to do the exact math, but, but it's something that I also miss about, you know, records, you know, holding on to records, which I, you know, a lot of people are back into vinyl now. I'm a little bit into that myself. Uh, but the, the personal aspect of like having something to hold in your hands, uh, discovering uh, a record uh, in a physical way that you know, like that, which, you know, you just don't get with, with streaming. Uh, it makes you remember, it makes, it makes things stick in your mind that, that, that wouldn't, if you actually didn't have that tangible object to hold on to. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, uh, we discover music differently now. I love having to get out of my recliner and flip over the side of the record because there's something else an artist has to stay, has to say here. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you're not, and if you're not in the grip of it, you're not gonna, you're not going to get up and do that. Whereas you got something on a playlist on Spotify and it's just going to keep rolling and, and it becomes, I'm not much of a background music person. Uh, I don't listen to music when I work on other things, uh, but uh, it tends to happen with, with uh, streaming that just music continues and I kind of forget that it's happening. 
Uh, and, and, and it just it feels like it doesn't quite mean as much as it used to sometimes. But yet, here we are. We're still making it. Still making it. But when it happens to be somewhat in the background, do you find yourself getting completely absorbed in lyrics and therefore it can't be the background? It, uh, it has to be that immediate focal point right there. How does that, how does that work for you just as a human being and as an artist? When I have music on in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I forget that it's happening. Um, and, and, and I, and I become, I become distracted. It becomes like noise to me when it's in the background. Uh, and so I have to turn it off. I'm very much the way my brain works with music is, uh, unless it's sort of danceable, rhythmic in that way where I can move while I'm doing something else. It, it's, it's not, it, it, I need to shut it off or I need to focus on it. I, I need to pay attention to what's going on and, and figure out what, what I, you know, what I like here and what I don't like. And yeah. And very often that does mean listening very closely to the words. And I guess I'm a little bit all or nothing when it comes to, when it comes to listening to music. Folks, we're talking to giants of diving, also known as Craig Patrick here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka about the concept of listening to music also, all things Patty Griffin and her debut record, Living with Ghosts. Um, Craig, I'd like to wind down our conversation uh, a little bit by talking about cover art of this album. Um, yeah. As we both know, we're in the 21st century. Everything's always moving at such a rapid clip. Um, but the one kind of prevailing thing, I guess, with every new release is some sort of cover art, even in the digital world. Um when you continue to revisit this record, I, I know that you're incredibly passionate about this album, the entire body of work. When you look at the album cover, what does it say to you? Do you get new things from it every time? Um, what say you? Yeah, you know, I, I do uh, get new things from it. I get new things from the songs. Uh, I get new things from the cover. Uh, you know, I think I didn't, I didn't get much out of it the first time I looked at it. You know, it was like a picture of a girl. And hey, I like pictures of girls. Uh, but it didn't assign a whole lot of meaning to it. I guess maybe I wondered, is this the artist? Because it's a sort of a headshot of a woman kind of looking down, uh, and the image is distressed and kind of unfocused. Um, so yeah, I wondered, is this Patty Griffin? Probably is, but maybe it's not. That's kind of interesting. And, you know, I didn't think much more of it, but when I look back at it now, it's mysterious. You know, it definitely drew me in more than I thought that it, that it had at the time, you know, in retrospect. And, uh, now it's a tremendously symbolic image to me based on all that I know of the record. Uh, I talked a lot about, you know, Kurt Cobain. Um, this was a time in my life when I was listening to, uh, early Dylan a lot. I came to Dylan kind of late. Uh, I was very into Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska record. This is really sort of sparse, poetic records. Um, and, and then also the, the loud guitar rock, Kurt Cobain and bands like Soundgarden. These are all dudes. These are all dudes with guitars. Uh, and, you know, and that, that wasn't something that was happening very much uh, in the 90s or kind of across the board. Um, and here was this woman, sort of a small woman, small shoulders, 
and now in retrospect, thinking about the music, just producing this big wailing music just with her voice, just with guitars. Um, so that, that picture of her just kind of looking unassuming, kind of downcast uh, and, and, and unimposing, you know, on that cover of that record. And then knowing now what was behind that image, the power, uh, it kind of blows my mind. The background itself kind of reminded me of skin in some respects. Yeah. You kind of see these like, you know, like these faint, you know, sort of almost like veins or capillaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I that that seems kind of symbolic to me if that was sort of what they might yeah. have been going for from it, you know, because it's just so so like bare and primitive and yeah 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 that makes sense i hadn't thought about the skin but it doesn't it does make sense in a symbolic way you know uh she is bearing you know she's bearing her soul all over that record uh and and that's something that in retrospect in in a personal sense you know you, you did have again kurt cobain he was really kind of bearing his soul in a lot of ways, but in a way that was, it was kind of indirect, you know, he was kind of hiding behind some wordplay and poetic wordplay. Uh, but, but he was, he was just kind of expressing a lot of, uh, a, a lot of naked rage. Uh, and, and Patty Griffin was, was bearing her soul in a more nuanced way, you know, and, and in a way that was, was deeper for me. And it was something that, that I was looking for at the time. And like I said before, you know, it resonates with me now more than ever. Craig Patrick of Giants of Diving. It is great to have you here on the program. Thanks so much for coming by, talking about Patty Griffin's Living with Ghosts. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Oh, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate you asking me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks so much to Craig Patrick for taking some time to stop by cover to cover today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's on Apple, maybe Google Play, Stitcher, or Amazon. Take a moment to tell your friends and uh, tell your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That will certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.